0: Elevated
1: Hey y'all, it's Al Lover coming at you with another episode of the Elevated Transmissions Podcast. This week I got my friend Aaron Dico. He is from um, San Francisco. Well he's from uh, Indiana but he's lived in San Francisco for a while I met him um, when he was playing in the band of pow and uh, we became friends just kind of being at shows together being around the scene a super nice guy super sweet dude that that knows a lot about music and is um, really makes great music he's got a new project with Mark and Landon of the band burnt ones that's coming out hopefully next year they're looking for a label right now but it's titled kind of it's it's titled ddct and he played me a couple tracks when i was um hanging out with him and some folks jamming at the engine works warehouse uh, doing a little synth jam which was super fun it's always good to collaborate with other people in that capacity because for me personally i mean i just sit alone in a room and lock the door And listen to the same loop for about eight hours at a time and that's how I make music so it's always super fun and exciting to be collaborative with people Uh, because I don't get that chance or I don't I don't look for that chance that often so when it does come about it's 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 always fun Um, but his new record uh, it's great 70s cosmic music vibes so if you like those You'll probably
2: like the record,
1: and I will definitely keep y'all posted uh, when that record is going to be coming out. I wish that uh, it was coming out now. I wish it was out. I wish I could play you a track because it's that dope, but you're going to have to wait, motherfuckers. So sorry about that. But anyways, I'll quit uh, rambling, and we'll get into it with Aaron Dico. Out of San Francisco, so I hope y'all enjoy. I haven't listened to that record that much.
3: Oh, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. the first one, yeah the first one's really good too. I got the first one.
1: I I was like as Hubba soon Bubba. as
3: I, yeah the Hubba Bubba as mm-hmm. soon
1: as I got the um um or saw the record and saw that like it was just the console of like the spaceship with the um the Eno portrait. I was oh, like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even notice that. You didn't even notice that. Mm-mm. Oh, dude, that's the best part. It's like uh. It's just sitting there, it's like a framed picture of Eno like on the cover of the record in the painting.
3: From like... From Hubba warm Bubba. J- uh, but the yeah, yeah, pictured, from the Warm Jets, yeah, yeah. Yeah, here come the Warm Jets, yeah. And
1: um, I always thought that was, I was like, okay, I'm buying this record, even though I was going to be like, okay, yeah, obviously mm. this I is going to be interesting, and I heard a track or two. Uh, you can just put that on the ground or yeah, whatever you if you want. Um, I mean,
3: yeah, is amazing.
1: He's all right. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like you know, he's not that prolific or anything. So, you know. Um, but yeah, what's up, man? Aaron Dico. Dico. Is, is that how you pronounce your name? No, it's Dico. Dico. Yeah. We'll edit that out. Aaron, <laughs> I like Dico, though. Dico's
3: kind of Yeah, I stick. get Dico. Um
1: Well, yeah, that's the obvious one that people mm-hmm. would revert to if they're r- ridiculous. Uh, but Aaron Dico. Mm
3: hmm. It's uh, Al- Albanian. Albanian? Mhm. You repping Albania? Uh an eighth, eighth Albanian. Have you uh, have you seen that new um
1: Action Bronson video? Mm-mm. Oh, it's so good, dude. They're like it's like uh the hook's like when I die, spread my blood on the on a cat on the BMW or <laughs> some shit and they're waving the Albanian flag around cuz they are the bird Yeah,
3: the bird. Yeah. It's a sick flag. I got a. I have a denim jacket with. Uh, it just says Albania uh-huh. on the back and the. Because my dad got me this t shirt and I just cut it up and it just says Albania and like red and black and then it's got the bird. That's so tight, dude. Like rocking it.
1: Represent. Yeah. All right, Albania in in the in the mix. Um, so I'm stoned right now, but Aaron's not. So you all have to forgive me. You got to be more on point. Okay. If you're less on point in this interview than me, then. Gonna have to have a talking with you because I'm fucking high as hell right now. Um, and Aaron, you uh, you play in the band
3: Pal? I did. You yes, did? I recently um, left the band. Yeah. Um, it was a natural natural uh, separation. Um, it happens. Yeah, we recorded uh, three records together. Uh, we still have one coming out on February 10th on Castle Face. I saw that. It's a third yeah. a third one. Uh, it's pretty. Pretty weird. Second studio album, because the first album we did was uh, recorded at home. Oh, it was a. It was
1: just a. Was it? Did you do it with the intent of like making it a record, or were you like these are just demos, and then we're like, oh, it's good enough to make a record.
3: Uh, which the first, the first one. The first one. No, it's like Byron, uh, the band leader. He had all these songs, and uh, yeah, they hadn't put out a record yet, and I had just joined mm-hmm. the band, and I was. We got a 388, Tascam, and then, uh, yeah.
1: Just laid it down? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That record is yeah. so good, man. Mostly
3: live, too. I mean, wow. all, of our, all of our records are mostly live. Cool. And then, like, you know, doubling up on guitar, doing synth overdubs and stuff like that.
1: Cool. Well, um, since you're not in POW anymore, what do you got going on? You sent me this new record that um, you worked on with Mark Tester and uh, Landon... Caldwell, is that mm-hmm. Caldwell, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, from Burnt Ones um, that you guys are looking to put out hopefully next year.
3: Yeah, I mean, we're still shopping for the record, but uh, I went to Indianapolis where we're all from pretty much. I mean, we're all Hoosiers from Indiana. Hoosiers. I, I've known Landon um, my whole life, basically. We met when we were like eight years old or something like that. Oh, shit. So, that, yeah, wow. it, it also makes OG it OG like, homies. Mm-hmm. And then I met Mark later, uh, but uh, yeah, we recorded this uh, pretty experimental record uh, in Indianapolis on a half-inch tape, and we did it within three days without any concrete ideas yeah. going into it. So it's very, very much free form and improvised most of the time. There Which, was a, there was a few I sorry uh, there was a few ideas that. I had going into the recording session but uh for the most part it's uh off the top nice and it's kind of like uh what give us
1: an idea of the vibe like is it, it's like a synth kind of vibe like an ambient yeah situation? no it's
3: it's all all synthesizers and drum machines and uh there's like I think one guitar track on it but uh it's uh it's a little poppy and uh just very um relaxing
1: yeah the track she played for me when uh when we were jamming not too long ago i was really into and that was before mm-hmm. it was mastered oh yeah now it's and, mastered and so who did you get
3: it mastered by uh sonic boom pete, oh, there you go. uh yeah pete kimber so that's so sick man. I, yeah i reached out to him and uh he was into the music and i was like well this is kind of i mean he's like one of my heroes yeah and i'm sure a lot of people's heroes especially like oh, Mar- course, mark mark and landon too yeah so it's it was really really wonderful working with them
1: well spaceman three's influence is just so obvious now mm-hmm. especially on you know like kind of this genre of music that's that's like coming out of what is kind of like springing out of the garage punk scene yeah as you can see the influence of that band and mm-hmm. and uh both those guys solo efforts uh, the next yeah. level
3: <clears throat> the repetition is like uh uh Uh, main uh, thing in the album that I recorded, just like most—I mean, most of the songs are just in one note. It's like, all right, let's just jam in the key of C. Yeah, and then we don't even change. And then it's nice, like (coughs) that's all my shit
1: is too. Like Mm -hmm. if I if I have a chord change, like in a in a record, (laughs) it's like. it's, like, an amazing thing. Yeah. It's, like, I accomplished a great feat yeah. <laughs> by, yeah. like, understanding how to go from one note to the next. Like, that's how much of a lack of a musician I am.
3: Well, I, I mean... <laughs> yeah, some some of the some of my favorite songs are just two two notes, just yeah. back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like, yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, that's it. When Dylan was in here, we were talking about suicide and just that. Oh, yeah. And, you know... Uh, and yeah, like, uh, I was talking to Matt about, we were talking, he, he had a Silver Apples track and it's just like all that music that is, and it, you know, it goes back to the cosmic music and stuff Mm -hmm. and that just that simple, I think that shit goes just back to like tribal music, you know, like drone repetition, like that shit puts you in a fucking, it does put you in a trance. It really can have this monumental power. And I think that's why the rave scene was so successful especially Mm -hmm. with tied in with like
3: mdma and psychedelic psychedelic drugs like yeah the djs are just playing like the same yeah like four on the floor everyone's dancing and it's also an experience for the person dancing you know it's like you're getting the music and you're like letting go and setting free from any problems that you have and you're just feeling feeling great well, it's just I think it has a, an aspect to do with the fact
1: of the repetition, like you get mm-hmm. locked into like a meditative state and it and it, ha- it has that power to take people to another place because of the simplicity of it, yeah. uh, which is something that I always really liked about electronic music and, and that that approach to music of. Uh, all the way from like if you hear like old African music from back in the day and Middle Eastern yeah, music like all Indian these drum music. circles everywhere, it's, it's all this drone aspect and just this repetition in it, man, it just really is uh a special thing,
3: yeah i mean i'll I'll sit and like listen to like an air conditioner for like I don't know it'll it'll just be in the room, and I can it'll start making melodies in my head or like a fan, like a totally. little box fan same, being on. Same. I remember like there was this one time I was like in my room and I wasn't doing too well. I was kind of sick. I had a fever or something like that. But I thought one of my roommates was like playing the shittiest music in his room. (laughs) But and then I like knocked on his door. I was like, dude, turn it down. And uh, he's like, I'm not even playing any music. But then I was like, we went back in my room and I was like, can you hear that? And he's like, no. And then I turned the fan off and then it went away. But I was just, like, making up this, like... Dude, you had a crazy really bad, dream, dude. Yeah, It's making up this really bad music in my head <laughs> through, like, a box fan. Or the box
1: fan was just making really bad music and you just picked up on it because mm. you're, like, in tune with that thing. I mean, that's how... Dude, if I'm, like, walking outside, like especially if I've smoked some weed or something like, Mm -hmm. and you know, I think too, like, you know, being, having a fever, being sick does kind of put you in a state where it's like you're delirious or maybe you're taking like medicine or some shit. And like that shit kind of opens you up to like hearing these aspects of things Mm -hmm. that are just mundane and that we tend to cancel out. But when maybe you're in an altered state or maybe you're just focused in, or maybe you're kind of lost in a kind of a daydream or something, they start to kind of come out to you and, Sometimes I'll just be walking down the street and, like, the way that the cars are zipping by is will like, create mm-hmm. a rhythm and then, like, the breeze will create, like, a melody with the... Yeah, br- it's like, it's you get, like, like the a Doppler effect song from, like a, yeah, 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 the, like, like, a cop car going by or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like, anything like that. like that. It's, like, that white noise, static white noise that we cancel out is actually so... That's why I think when you're, like, when you're tripping or whatever and, like, the, the background, like comes into the forefront and you're like mm-hmm. holy shit the breeze is so crazy loud right you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. it just like it'll engulf you i think that uh yeah we we kind of cancel that out in our minds but
3: well i mean li- living in a city too is like there's so much there's constant noise constant, stimuli, constant noise like audio and then when you go out to the woods or something like that you're like whoa this is what it's like to be quiet yeah and but then, but then like that pay- shit gets it, loud too. Yeah, because you're paying attention to like the leaves brushing brushing against each other, or yeah. um, I don't know, a stick breaking on the that you step on or something. Yeah,
1: man. I think and I think that you know a lot of and and obviously we're just riffing off this idea, but I think it, it runs parallel to the idea of ambient music, and like that's what mm-hmm. you know was trying to do is be like, hey, this is like bringing the background to the forefront yeah of this and 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 kind of observing that as as something that is to be seen in a in a uh in um I don't know what kind of light it would be seen in but just like observe it you know
3: yeah and then uh Brian Eno and Harmonia did a record together and oh, yeah. Harmonia is an amazing band and but they're it's like method musicians so it's like they wanted to create atmospheric music and spacious music so they moved out into the middle of nowhere in Germany. Just built just, that studio. Well, because your surroundings have a complete impact on the music that you make. And they totally. wanted to, you know.
1: Yeah, you think about suicide? That's New York in the 70s. Yeah, that shit like, sounds like New York. If you uh-huh. ever see like any some documentary dirty footage. fucking yeah. bar on heroin or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Dude, yeah, dude, the Bowery. Uh-huh. They're just like you fucking see footage of like the Bronx or some shit. And it's yeah. like. Oh, I, I get why suicide sounds the way they do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even
3: harder tracks, you know? You know yeah, da- like David Bowie and uh, Iggy Pop did that album, The Idiot. Oh, and yeah. They, yeah, they were just. Berlin, when they yeah, were trying to get sober like, or something, right? No, I don't know. I don't know if they were sober. I don't but know it, if they were either. It sounds <laughs> like a druggy album, yeah, but it just it sounds like this nasty, fucking gritty Berlin, you know?
1: Yeah, I've never been to Berlin. I want to go so bad. It's so funny every time I play anywhere, someone's like, "Oh man, like I like your sound." It's like similar to like this Berlin kind of thing, and I'm like, "Dude, I've never even been to Berlin. Like, why am I not playing Berlin every time I go to Europe? I'm so, I'm so upset." <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, you, you should just go there like off a of, off a of whim, like after tour or something. Like I that. was
1: thinking about it recently. I think it was not the last tour, but the tour before. I was like, I
3: should just go to Berlin and check
1: it out, but. Sometimes those I did that in Paris for a couple of weeks, a couple times mm-hmm. ago when I was there, and
3: uh, yeah, I wasn't like I wasn't too stoked. I made a record that was cool in in Paris. In Paris, yeah, yeah. it's pretty dirty, pretty place. I mean, most all cities are dirty, but yeah, yeah.
1: but Paris is kind of ex- exceptionally S- grindy. Yeah, and it's sketchy too.
3: Hey, thinking of
1: speaking of Paris, I think that's a segue into the uh, the first track that we got um, that you picked out. What one was that? Well, it's actually it wasn't the one that we initially picked, but shall we? Oh, Let's is it the, Ruth? The Ruth track? Yeah, I think it's a good way to minimal start out, minimal
3: man. synth wave from the
1: from France late seventies early eighties. I think it was early eighties. Yeah. I think it was like eighty eighty five. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, apparently, I was like doing some research. I, I I've loved this track for a while, but I haven't really listened to much of their mm-hmm. other music. And this dude has a fucking great version of uh, a can the can song. Um, what is it, Lady Rain or um, Oh she brings the rain. She brings the rain yeah. and it's a fucking dope version, dude. Cool. Yeah, have you have you heard it? No, I you don't got, think I'll, so. I'll play it for you after this, but okay. it's sick. But uh, this is um, this is Ruth with Polaroid Roman, Roman photo. photo. was uh that was ruth with um polaroid Boy, Roman Good. photo yeah i can't see the screen right now i'm so blind <laughs> and uh i'm pretty i'm pretty stoned so forgive me everyone
2: mm-hmm.
1: i'm gonna bring up the list that i have on my phone um and yeah so that was kind of what was happening in the late 70s early 80s i guess it was more the early early 80s with early the, uh, mid
3: early mid 80s something yeah, like that with that weird like minimal kind of uh mm-hmm. yeah just like a catchy, catchy bass, like, sequenced bass line, and I think they're playing, like, live drums over it, too, which would probably be hard for, like, a, you gotta be a good drummer to play to, to a sequencer. Yeah, you gotta be on point for sure. I don't know, is it, is it, I, I it, couldn't tell
1: if it was regular drums or if it was, uh, if it was sequenced, but I can't remember. But, but Yeah, um, they have,
3: like, a whole, like, horn section, like, whole, uh, like, uh. Trumpets and trombones mm-hmm. in it too.
1: And the saxophone? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the saxophone. Yeah. That shit is so good. But yeah, it's, so do you know much about this uh this French scene from the eighties? Because this is something that I remember when it was it was kinda I saw it was kind of becoming more popular. I saw the compilations come out like mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago and then recently it's been it's been uh people have been into it more too.
3: Yeah, I I've just um <clears throat> I've just been buying these, uh, there's a record label called Born Bad Records, and oh, yeah. they, they put out, uh... I went there when out I was of, in Paris. Yeah they're, yeah, they're out of Paris, and, um, anything, it, anything from, that they put out from, you know, late 70s, early 80s, is just, like, this really, really good music that no one really knew about, or they didn't, they never made the grade, as far as whatever, yeah. whatever the grade is, but yeah. yeah. They, uh I always just buy these compilations, but I don't know much about the bands because, like, all the compilations have, There's not like much
1: known about them. Like, mm-hmm. they were all pretty obscure, I think, from what I understand. I mean, I was reading about these guys, and, um, yeah, it's like, you know, they were all just weirdos making weird music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a few copies got released, like, hundreds maybe, and then faded into obscurity, and then when the internet came back
3: and all these young kids now are just like oh my god this is amazing
1: oh shit yeah it's it's because it's amazing it's Mm -hmm. so interesting that like and it to me like the sound of like this track is just so french Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying with the polaroid click it's like the fashion and like this all this and it's like probably all wearing berets or something (laughs) like that they've got like half-eaten baguettes that's actually uh that's a uh, thing. It is, man. You I see remember the guy that, with like five baguettes in his backpack right down the street. I remember when I was in Paris, everyone I'd see carrying a baguette, which was most people, especially at like five or six when mm-hmm. everyone's going home from work, and you would always see like a little chunk taken off the baguette so they have a little snack on yeah. the way home. <laughs> 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 I fucking love that, dude. Yeah. And now like every time I get a baguette I always do that. I'm always like I'm gonna mm-hmm. take a little chunk for the walk.
3: Well, the end's the end part's the best. Too. Yeah,
1: man. Price. Uh, (laughs) Crunchy But yeah um, That track is so sick And All that stuff All those comps That are They're putting They're putting out With that shit uh, I think Born Bad Is definitely One of the dopest um, Repressed labels Out right now Yeah They put put out Some some uh, current Current
3: music too But Mm -hmm. I think they Mainly focus on Like getting like The history of Like French music um, With the Compilations and the repressings that they're doing.
1: Yeah, because they got all the yeah yeah music compilations too. Mm-hmm. Those, Those are, are sick.
3: also very good. Hey, let's uh, let's.
1: This shit is lo fi as fuck, man. I don't give a fuck. Uh, like, Well, I'm the other ones, I listened. I listened
3: to one with the common cosmonauts and it sounded pretty good.
1: Yeah, it was cool. I mean, we were just talking shit. Those guys are always funny as fuck. Mm-hmm. So like, it was it was it was fun to talk with them. But um, I want to get I want to get them on. This is like a new version that I'm doing with the. Getting people to pick the songs or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um,
3: what is it called? Elevated Elevated Transmissions, Transmissions.
1: Yeah, is the name of the podcast. And this is uh, Aaron Deco. Yeah, with, with your host, Oliver. And my guest, Aaron Deco. Uh, so, what do you think, man? Should we do this Paul McCartney jam next?
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty poppy, completely electronic, which is strange for people who haven't listened to the album before.
1: You know, I never had heard this stuff. I uh, I've got his Ram solo record and the oh. one with the cherries on it. I can't remember that one. What it's called? I think it's his first one.
3: A, like with the wings, or was it just no, Paul McCartney? It's solo? Oh. Yeah.
1: Um, and then this one, this is Paul McCartney too. Yeah, it's right? like his
3: alter ego or something like that. Well, this sounds it's like totally off the board. I mean, there's some like classic Paul McCartney sounds like songs on the record but the one that we're going to play now is just like totally strange it is weird it was, and it you know there's parts of it that sound it
1: was, like uh cindy Lauper's girls just want to have fun. oh yeah
3: no that's what I, uh, I was listening to it last night and i was like dude this sounds like girls like want to want to have fun isn't that crazy yeah. it's one of the but it came out changes, before like, oh yeah, of course, yeah, way yeah. Before.
1: Um, but I mean, I think it could be just be some of the synth sounds cause mm-hmm. it is all fake sounds and then, um, well, the mel- fakes, the
3: melody is pretty much the same. There's just a f- few little nuances yeah. as far as like the two songs. Um, and
1: I think it's the textures of the, of the synthesized sounds too. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? With yeah. that eighties pop, whatever. But this song is called frozen Jap, which is definitely a racist title, uh, but those were different times, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't he have some flack like when uh there were some interview was asking him about it.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure how he like was explaining himself, but uh yeah, he definitely got some criticism as far as the song title.
1: Yeah, and it sucks too because uh, you know, like when you hear it, some of the melodies are like that almost like generic Asian sounding melodies
3: like <laughs> that kind of shit yeah, that they yeah. would do well, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, it kinda has that um Kind of has that sound,
1: which I assume is where he came up with the uh, the name for it. But Paul McCartney, you're gonna get a pass because uh, I assume you're not racist. Um, but this was, hope, a, yeah. this was a this was this was a bad name for a song. So yeah. Paul McCartney, frozen jap. Yeah, that was Paul McCartney with the unfortunate title "Frozen Jap." But yeah, man, that's like that's girls what just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of what I love about it because I fucking love that song so much. I always, even when I was a, a kid, pop, I remember yeah,
3: pop gold. Sorry.
1: Oh yeah, no, no, it it is. And I I used to have a, a babysitter that was like into Cindy Lauper. and mm. I like had the crush I on the babysitter, and she and we like dance around. This, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So it was like. Yeah, it was how, like uh how old were you, like five or oh, shit, I don't know. I was, it was in the mid eighties, yeah. so yeah, okay. around there. I was born in eighty one. Um dating myself. Holy shit. <laughs> Your boy's old. Um but yeah, so that kind of uh that kind of silliness in a song, uh, I really I really do like. Um I guess speaking of Cindy Lauper, we should go to another uh prolific eighties. Bombshell.
3: Oh God. With uh Kate Bush. Miss, what do you think? Yeah, Miss Bush. Oh my God. She, Wuthering
1: Wuthering Heights?
3: Wuthering Heights. She yeah, well, she was re-
1: Wuthering with a W W U. Yeah,
3: there's this uh Is that is that it's a book. That? I forget who the author was, but she's basically um singing singing the story of this book. Um yeah, I wish we could. I should look up the author. That's
1: all good. This, this, man, like, this podcast, I'm beginning to understand. It's like I'm trying to take some notes on stuff, and if I know about stuff, like, talk about Mm -hmm. it. But I'm more or less just, like, doing this to, like, listen to good music that I don't know about and and talk some shit with some friends. It's not about, like, knowing every, like, aspect of, like, the where the song came from and Mm -hmm. what the artist was doing at the time and what drugs they were on and blah 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 it's just more like hey let's play a good song and then just talk some shit you know
3: what's uh what's the pink floyd guitarist did Uh, david gilmore was david gilmore discovered uh kate bush and she wrote this song when she was 17. That's which crazy. is crazy. Fucking insane. That's um insane. but uh the guitar solo at the end of the song that's David Gilmour Is that playing, David Gilmore? I was I was gonna I
1: wanted to talk about the solo on there because it was so dope. Like I was listening yeah, to Yeah, it's track. it's
3: kinda cheesy, but it
1: sounds it's really sick, good. Yeah, it the sounds tone really on the good. guitar is dope too, mm-hmm. man. And uh I mean the song I mean I've I'm, I'm not like well versed with Kate Bush. Mm-hmm. Uh I know that she's important and I've heard songs and I'll be like, Oh, that's cool. But it's kind of cheesy music to me. But yeah, it's no. beautiful, and and it's and I mean, she kind of sounds like Yoko trying to sing like David Eno oh, okay. or Brian Eno on here. <laughs> David Eno, David that's Eno, funny. Yeah. Uh, Brian Gilmore. Oh, yeah. uh, no, it sounds it sounds like Yoko trying to sing like Brian Eno on here. Like just the way her the way she pitches her voice, it's uh, that's like yeah. that's what I hear from it. So let's check it out. Let's uh let's check out Kate Bush. Um, with Wuthering Heights, Wuthering Heights? Wuthering, Wuthering? Wuthering, it's 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 W-U-T-H-E-R-I-N-G, from uh, The Kick Inside from 1978, and this was her first single.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you. haunting voice like coming in and it being a pop hit and it taking like i don't know a minute for it to like evolve to really yeah. really really kick in and it was just it was just like a new thing that people were listening to on a radio and she also has like uh theatrical dances that she has with every song too so it's like oh yeah she's a, it's total a performance weirdo. yeah she's yeah she's a theater musician weirdo um mm-hmm. very eccentric and uh Super cool.
2: Yeah, yeah, and beautiful and like, too. By oh, sh- the
3: way, oh She's yeah, so of course. So I mean, her beautiful. whole
1: essence is like beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. like the the music she makes is beautiful, and, and it is it is kind of like there's this weird undertone it's like fantastical kind of in a Mm. way like there's this element of like it seems like she's in a faraway land kind of vibe yeah she's like a fairy or something yeah it makes me think of like when i hear kate bush it makes me think of the labyrinth you know what i'm saying Mm
3: -hmm. yeah it definitely has like like, that's it there's an area of the labyrinth otherworldly sort of vibe to it
1: elfish yeah it's very elfish
3: yeah she's a total elf
1: but that's kind of a tradition of english music you know like with Mm. like uh all the the prog dudes and, like, the rock guys, like, you know, Zeppelin, they were all singing mm-hmm. about the Elfin land, and that goes back to their, like, mythology and, like, pagan mythology. So that yeah. kind of makes sense. Yeah, the elves and the, the gnomes are big over in England. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, let's move to the Middle East.
3: Okay. Oh, uh, is it your boy Omar? What's his We're going? Omar Korshid.
1: Korsheed. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: he's he's, uh, he's one of the most famous G- Egyptian guitarists, or no, uh, Arab guitarists, yeah, like, as far as the whole Arab world. And um, he, yeah, he's he's the best.
1: I don't know much about this guy. I love all this type of stuff. Any 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 like guitar music from that part mm-hmm. of the world is really interesting because of the scales that they do and like the yeah. you know it, it's, it's and the
3: time time signatures are strange time too. signatures yeah. are crazy I think this is pretty pretty straightforward as like 4-4 but mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah that's that's one of my most favorite uh, types of music is Middle Eastern music be- and Northern African music because there's just the strangest time signatures like they'll they'll be like the bass will be playing one measure and then the drums will be playing at another timing, and then they meet up every 12 or something like yeah, that. yeah so, and so we were talking about that the lasers. other
1: night weren't we about like um about looping stuff like you were talking about um i can't remember what it was but we were talking about i was saying like how i'd kind of discovered like looping things at different time lengths mm-hmm. and how they kind of will just match up in these weird kind of mathematical ways
3: yeah like every 12 16 24 yeah. or whatever yeah mm-hmm. and um
1: you know that's something that for me like just discovering that that happens with loops uh when you you know you stretch them different ways but then like thinking about actually playing in that way if you're like with a band with like three or four dudes and you guys are all playing on a different time signature but yeah. every once in a while it's meeting up for this like really cool crescendo is mm-hmm. like that just seems so impressive man
3: well and it's also it's like they, that's they grew up uh, like people in like northern Africa and uh, the Middle East. They they grew up with listening to those that that music with those certain time signatures. Oh so yeah, it's totally. It's just like natural. It's it's natural. So it's like I know.
1: And drummers, as a pr-
3: drummer's playing triplets, the other guys on um, yeah just playing four four and the other guy's playing three four and then bam every 16 or 24 they meet
1: and it just but it just swings together so well when it's mm-hmm. done right man and yeah. it's it's so interesting because yeah i mean i guess it is like a westerner's pers- <coughs> perspective of like especially uh, informed by contemporary music is uh you know it's four 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 you mm-hmm. know three four maybe you know yeah. But like, know, like a waltz or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but it's like you know, most of the music that I grew up on was it was four four, mm-hmm. pretty pop, standard, yeah, like pop and yeah. rock
3: and stuff. Yeah.
1: And then when I started getting into uh, the more more world music and shit like that, and discovering that people were doing that, uh, I mean, there was a lot of like I guess mathy stuff where they would maybe I was introduced to some of that stuff Mm -hmm. earlier with like more math kind of punk kind of stuff like more jagged kind of weird time
3: signature changes and shit Emerson Lake and Palmer or something like that
1: well more that's I guess that's more prog and yeah that kind of they did a lot of that but when I started discovering the world music like especially like the Ethiopian stuff oh yeah all the jazz stuff all the jazz shit and like and yeah I guess I mean what am I talking about jazz has got all sorts of crazy time signatures Mm -hmm. I I sound like an idiot right now yeah That's like the most American music there is And I'm like, yeah, blah, blah, blah blah." Yeah, I just sound like an idiot So I'm going to shut up Um, So this is Omar Korsheed. Korsheed,
3: And what's the name of this track? Uh, It's Habibti Habibti It it means um, beautiful sweetheart in Arabic Sounds good, let's check it
1: So Aaron, you sent me the wrong track, man. Yeah. The one you wanted was uh and that we just played, it's corrections to be made. Mm-hmm. Is uh Omil Habiba uh mm. by Omar Korshid, Korshid, Korshid?
3: Yeah, Korshid.
1: Korshid. Yeah. Um so yeah, um we were talking about the wrong track mm. before we played it, but we played the right track. We're correcting it. You gotta understand, folks. We're gonna get things wrong on this podcast fairly often, mainly because I might be stoned every time. Yeah. I might not. I might just be stupid. Doing it on the fly. We might have some autocorrect uh, situations mm-hmm. when, in terms of uh, interactions, uh, discussing the playlists. And uh, you know, we're all here to learn about music, so mm-hmm. mistakes will be made, and they'll be corrected, or you can just chastise me on uh, on the comments, which I don't care about. Should do whatever you want, but that was uh Omar Koshid with um Umil Umil Habiba
3: Habiba, my mother, darling, or something like that. I think this is it
1: my mother, mother, my dearest. Yeah. One for his mom. Shout out to all the
3: moms oh, out yeah. there. Peggy. Shout out to my mom, Peggy Warner, Janine. Um, he, um, Shepherd Sublime. There's a label in uh, Seattle called Sublime Frequencies that mm-hmm. I've been very uh, much a fan of. Because they put out like mostly Northern African, Middle Eastern, and Southeast Asian music. Yeah, uh, like repressing, great, great re- re- great repressing, re- like digging out the the gold of music that has been almost lost over the years. But uh, they put out a live record of his, and uh, it's him in Australia playing a bunch of uh, shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, after he went, he went back to Cairo. After that Australian tour, and then he died in a freak car accident. Whoa. Yeah. Homer. So, three days after those live recordings that Sublime Frequencies, uh, well, that they reissued, he died. But uh, there's uh, speculation. Actually, Matt Jones was uh, telling me that uh, there's speculations that the government killed him because he was pro Palestinian and he was Whoa. such an influential musician. That he was kind of getting
1: that message out there, and he was talking about it,
3: and uh, yeah, Israel wasn't Whoa. wasn't having it. Man. But that's just you know rumor. But I wouldn't be surprised. That is rumor. But just to think that the world is like that, you know what
1: I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. a conspiracy, like to like the government conspiracy to kill people with with influence, and obviously those conspiracies run rampant with music and. Well, any artist and yeah. musician too. It's dude, like, I mean, think about the communist blacklist of like uh uh in the in America during the Cold War and mm-hmm. shit. Like dude, like if you have influence and you start running your mouth, dude, they are they'll not playing you. around. Yeah, yeah they are not you. playing around and that's that's fucking tragic.
3: Yeah, he used to he was like before before he um got famous on his own, he used to play with this uh other very amazing um arabic woman called om Kathum and uh she he played in her he played guitar in her, her orchestra oh, okay she's yeah she's like one of the most known arab arab singers mm-hmm. uh, but he was playing guitar in her band before uh he went and do his uh solo stuff
1: okay what what time what time period was this guy from like this, late 60s uh, early 70s is, yeah 60s 70s okay
3: hmm Cool.
1: I wonder, I wonder if, was he popular in America at all? Do you know? I do not know. Yeah. Because yeah. I guess, you know, I think about it. I mean, I'm sure he is now. America's Just, fascination with like exotica and stuff was like 50s, early, late 50s, early 60s. So by that time, I guess America had moved on from that fascination or whatever. Um, but it's got some, kind of those vibes that those early exotica guys were like trying to go for, you mm-hmm. know, like that world music and bring it and make it like this like mysterious thing from the Orient or something. Yeah, it's so corny, but it's like it's some cool shit, man. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, like like I was saying, that Middle Eastern and uh, all through down through like South Asia and everything is just
3: well, yeah. I mean, it's
1: uh, with the desert and stuff like. Well, that's where well, that like, droney shit comes from—that drone well, yeah, and that repetition and all that stuff. Like that's it's just that naturally from, psychedelic. Man. Well, that's well, I you know it it is, and and it's funny because like you know what, a lot of what has been deemed psychedelic from the '60s mm-hmm. is because those guys were like listening and and trying to emulate this Eastern music. Yeah, um, and I, yeah, I mean, it's
3: like sitars in India. It's just like you could just play one note on the sitar and it just sounds amazing. Yeah, you're just like. You just get lost into it,
1: yeah, and i I think that it it has to do with that area of the world and like those philosophies um, of their like religion and and ideology and theology and stuff that are just you know this like this shit's far out, man, they're far yeah, out, they literally this, they're far going up meditating in caves and coming back, and you know talking about Buddha consciousness and you know like transcending duality and all this thing and Um, yeah, I think it's, it's funny to see like those parallels with that type of music becoming what it is with psychedelic music, rave culture and all that thing, which are aligned with those ideologies, you know, like oneness, like there is no separation. Like we are just living in like a, an illusion and all this stuff. And that's stuff that all these people were kind of discovering, uh, through psychedelics and, and
3: I mean, yeah, even naturally through like meditation or,
1: Well, quicker. Quicker and through psychedelics. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> you get there quicker. You it, might have to it, have years of
1: mastery of uh, yeah. meditation, you know. But when yeah. you can get in like an hour of acid, which is hilarious. Yeah. That's what I remember. Uh, it's
3: kind of, it's like, uh, not necessarily like a like a false. Uh,
1: it's not false at all.
3: But yeah, you, you know what I mean, though. It's like, uh, as far as like meditation and stuff like you that. Know, you know, I don't
1: know. I was, I, I, I've, I've had this discussion with people before, and I think, it comes to do it has to do with geography. like if you think about like the people in the um, in the Americas, they've been doing like this ayahuasca and peyote and all mm-hmm. these things and mushrooms for thousands of years um, because you know they were in these environments that had those plants. Obviously, like, in, in India, there was, like, all these yogis are smoking hella weed, because in Asia, like, weed just grows rampant, so that's, like, mm-hmm. uh, a hallucinogen that they would use, and, like, you can see that the the drugs have been there helping us kind of understand for thousands of years, but that doesn't mean it's the only way to get there. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's cheap or I don't think it's cheating. I mm-hmm. think it's just another way, and I think you can get there without it, but... Yeah, it's like I don't a, think it discredits uh, it.
3: It's like um accelerate accelerator it pad is an ex- for yeah. our take evolution. the governor off,
1: dude. You take the governor yeah. off of our uh, evolution.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just like just get blasted one night. Well
1: that's what they say. You know you know dude Terrence McKenna?
3: Yeah. Oh man, he was he was he's out there. Oh
1: yeah, but I mean he's like he his theory was like, you know, that the monkeys started eating mushrooms and that was what one of the catalysts to evolution, mm-hmm. which is uh Yeah, it's like a, I like it. I
3: like no, that I, I I think so too. Like <laughs> just like picking a mushroom off a cow turd, and then the monkey's are like, hoo, 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 hoo. and then he's like, <laughs> he's like, actually, you know what? And then he just starts laughing. He's thinking
1: about quantum theory, he's just like, what
3: if mm-hmm. there's these smaller fractions of life
1: that we don't quite understand?
3: Yeah, Bill Hicks was a uh, that comedian. Bill Hicks, have you heard of him? He's he's a big oh, yeah. adv- advocate on uh, that uh, Terrence McKenna idea. Yeah. yeah, I mean it it makes. To any any anybody that i know it just makes sense.
1: Well, i think if you've done copious amounts of hallucinogenics, you can see why someone would think that, mm-hmm. you know? Cuz it yeah. does open you up to a newer perspective of things.
3: And it, yeah, as well as yeah, as far as speaking about psychedelics is like if you haven't had like a really really heavy psychedelic trip in your life, you're missing out on a lot of opportune i think so thoughts and revelations or, you know,
1: yeah, I think so too. And I mean, I don't think it is for everybody, but it's funny when I when I when I talk to people that have never done hallucinogenics before and and maybe this is me being a little biased and I don't I try not to be, but it's like I'm like, "Oh, well, of course I understand where mm-hmm. where you're coming from. You've never mm-hmm. had this experience that it's like you you can't even fathom w- the depth of it unless you've had it." Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, it's an experience that is so unique and so uh eye-opening even if you're just doing it recreationally you know you, yeah you yeah
3: most yeah most times i take it i'm just you know having a good time I and mean, when i first started taking it i was i was taking it hold up hold up okay. Okay. what what siri say that
1: again series uh series on the on the podcast y'all um so yeah, that was Siri, guys. Uh speaking of we were talking about psychedelics and opening up new doors to perception and Siri steps into the conversation. I think that might be saying something, guys. Yeah. I think we're ready for uh are you guys ready for the oncoming singularity? Uh speaking of singularity, should we go uh electronic? What do we yeah, what do we got next? Let's see, maybe we should go with a little damage bug. Oh yeah. I think that might be uh a good fitting one for the um for the oncoming singularity. This will be the dystopic soundtrack to um the AI overcoming humanity. Mm-hmm. Um I think the song, what well, song's called
3: Der Mod.
1: Der Mod? Yeah.
3: But he's talking <laughs> I think dermond Mond, yeah. Yeah. But he's uh, speaking of uh his mother and the in the song so i think it's just a weird way of saying dear mom well that actually message, is good maybe, uh, to follow
1: yeah. up the uh, the last track with mm-hmm. about mom we got it. shouts out to the mom hey guys ladies everybody out there every day's mother's day and don't you forget it so uh here we go with damage bug with uh Dermond. <laughs> Uh, cold hot plums plumes? plums plums plums
3: yeah, yeah
1: man I cannot S- read <laughs> I really got to figure out how to read before I start yeah. doing this podcast <laughs> y'all I need to do I need to read more I listen I was just talking about this I listened to like these books on tape I'm starting to get into those and I listen to a lot of podcasts I don't read that much
2: anymore mm-hmm.
1: and my vision's getting worse so and I haven't gotten glasses so I'm like it's another excuse uh, why not to read because it's it's difficult to see, and I think I'm just becoming dumber. Um, but yeah, so that was Damage Bug and um, second uh, solo record from Dwyer. Man, so cool. Yeah, that shit makes me think of like the cyborg like lament, mm-hmm. like existential, like when when like AI is gonna be like. Contemplating its place in the universe. Oh God! You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that's what that's what that makes me sound like. Yeah, it doesn't seem that far away. No, it doesn't. And again, like with the uh, a, a, another, in my opinion, Eno worship track. Like you can just hear it in his vocal tones and in the chord changes and in the in the to, detuned kind of like synth that's in there. Yeah, it's a little bit detuned. Is, yeah, which is uh, realistic? Is that what you're saying?
3: I think on a lot of the stuff he uses there. It's like a MG1 realistic. It's like yeah. Radio Shack put it out, but it's like all, it's all Moog components. That's so but Radio Shack put it out, and you can get them for like 500 bucks. But it's like you're buying a Moog. Yeah. From the 80s. Yeah. It's like such a. You guys use Words and Powell, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That was your go-to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was that was my dig. Yeah. It's cool, like listening to the Damage Bug tracks um, off the first or second record. I can kind of tell. You're where like, I all know the your settings, settings are, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, oh yeah, I know what you're doing, dude.
1: Well, you do a Damage Bug uh, cover band?
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would like to play with him. That would be great. I don't, I don't think he's played like live shows. as he hasn't as under the moniker Damage Bug? But he asked me to I do would. a
1: remix for him for one of the tracks, and uh, that was a while. I think it was at South by last year. He was like, yeah, man, I got a new one coming out, and I was like. Cool. Let me know. Was, was it this this
3: one? That no, no, wrote? that
1: one had already come out. And I think there's that oh, new there's one with the tarot card, right? Oh
3: yeah, yeah. It's pretty. Is that it, a new record? Is it a whole new record, or is it? Yeah, I think it's a record. And then I have a tarot card deck that one of his artist friends like did all the uh, tarot uh, paintings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you can get it on Castleface the the website, but uh, it's kind of expensive. But it it's comes like with 35. it. But it's it's like, comes a, with a deck of. Tarot cards. It's like a little art piece and a record in it.
1: And you're going to pay $20 for a deck of tarot cards anyways. You yeah. know? Like, uh, I think that's... I think
3: you have to be gifted a tarot deck, right?
1: If to, in order to do tarot, you must be given a gift uh, the gift of tarot cards. I
3: think, like, traditionally... Traditionally. It, it was like that, but, I mean, anybody can buy one. Yeah.
1: Tarot cards are dope, yeah. though, man. I actually had my tarot card read for the first time by a friend um, before I moved to Austin. And there was some shit in there that was on point. And I was like... Mm-hmm. And I didn't think about it at the time, but then in retrospect, I thought back to the time that she did the tarot, and I was like, wow, that was actually really, really on point. Because it's all mm-hmm. archetypal shit, you know? Yeah. Like, you can take from it what you want.
3: I think but it's yeah, that's why it's so it's so great. It's like this, they basically give you a general gist of maybe what might be happening in your or just life what to or think what about. is going to be going to be in your life.
1: I don't even know if it predicts the future in that way. I think it just predicts these aspects of our personality that uh, sometimes we might not focus on. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like because it is all these like Jungian ancient archetype type deals that like you could, you can lay down an archetype and because we are all made of those archetypes and our brains are like activate and operate on those On those wavelengths, I think that you can just be like, oh, yeah, this is an aspect of your life that you maybe not have been focusing on. You're like, oh, whoa, actually, wait, I should be doing my laundry more often, you know, (laughs) blah, 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 like or something corny like that, you know. Um, But, yeah, that's getting on to another topic that I know nothing about except for uh, what I've what I've uh, what I learned from Aleister Crowley when he taught me um, when I summoned his spirit. So the next track.
3: What do you think? Um, what do we got? We got a few more left. We got five more left. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Fuck! What are we gonna do? Maybe that Frank Zappa one, Pieces and Regalia.
1: I think that's a good choice. So Frank Zappa, obviously, we all know is the god. Um, and my dad brought me up on Frank Zappa. Same like, here. I, like we had this thing, um, in the like the public radio. In Asheville, where I grew up, they had, like, a Frank Zappa hour, like, every week or something. Oh, cool. And so he would always just bump that and, like, was a huge proponent of Frank Zappa. And he told me about, like, Captain Beefheart and all that shit hella early.
3: It's crazy that they grew up together. I know. Isn't that weird? As far as, like, them being the weirdest musicians. It makes a lot of sense. Growing up together, yeah. Southern California,
1: right? I don't know. I'm not sure. I think it was, like, I think it was SoCal, yeah. But, Mm -hmm. um... Yeah, so this is off the off the uh, record "Hot Rats" from nineteen sixty nine, "Peaches and Regalia."
3: This is my yeah. This is my mom's favorite song.
1: This is your mom's favorite mm-hmm. song, dude. I did dude. Apparently, so Shugie Otis, you know Shugie Otis is the blues so. musician. He was like, uh, he was like a blues funk kind of guy from the seventies. But apparently, he was sixteen year old playing bass on this record. What? Yeah,
3: dude, that's crazy.
1: Sugar, he was Johnny Otis' son, which Johnny Otis was like a 50s R&B guy.
3: Okay. Um, yeah, he had the, I mean, Frank Zappa had the best musicians in the world playing in his band.
1: I remember my, my dad got me, um, for Christmas one year, he got me the um, Roxy, the mother, like uh, Frank Zappa and the Mothers at Roxy or whatever
3: it was. Like Mothers of the live,
1: Yeah, it was like one of the live ones. Um, And it blew my fucking head dude like i was like what is this music because it was yeah. all live performance like just and so tight and so clean yeah. i remember the first track i think it was the first track it was always my favorite it was uh penguins in bondage you know that track i don't think I've just heard that, like a penguin in bondage boy <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah yeah but yeah it's all that weird jazz fusion prog fucking whatever mm-hmm whatever the fuck Frank Zappa was doing but uh, so this is Frank Zappa with uh, Peaches and Regalia from Hot Rats 1969
3: so Insane, just so not traditional, yeah.
1: man. Frank Frank the Tank yeah. Zappa, that dude it will just forever be one of the most insane human beings ever walked this planet.
3: It's the a, harmonies, dude. Yeah, the harmonies What's he doing? so. I don't, I have no idea. They're so strange, and it's like so tragic because I mean, you know, he was misdiagnosed with cancer is that what happened when he so he yeah he went to the doc well he went probably went to the doctors and they were like oh you don't have cancer but then after it had you know taken over his whole body they're like oh actually you did have cancer and you're gonna die that's crazy man i know and he has he has like an onslaught of sheet music it's just like a library of Stuff that songs, he wrote that never yeah. got released or, or, or yeah played. yeah probably just like different versions of songs yeah. and stuff like that like, it's like a whole like library that his son Dweezil yeah Dweezel. Is also a very strange name
1: well this this uh, yeah and and what's uh, his other kid's name like Moon, moon Rocket no moon, 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 moon Unit Moon Unit yeah that's moon, what it moon's is
3: Moon's a nice name for a girl I'm, I'm Moon Moon but Moon still. Unit that's Dweezel's dope though. I mean, yeah. like, because he's playing his dad's music. Yeah, too. the Zappa
1: plays Zappa mm-hmm. thing. Have you ever seen one of those uh, no, performances? No, I have not. Yeah. I'd like to check one out, man. Yeah. That's I, so cool to carry on the legacy like that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess apparently this this record I was reading um, was he was like for his son. I guess his son was born right around this time, and oh he, really? He like kind of made this record uh for the for his son. I really like the Willie the Pimp track on this one with Beefheart on well, it. Well,
3: yeah, Beefheart plays. Sings on it Yeah, sings, he on, sings song, on it Yeah, yeah Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It's so, like, dirty It's so like, dirty, ah, dude the I love it I, love I can't, it. yeah The record cover freaked me out as a kid My My dad would always play this And I would mm-hmm. just be thinking about Cause it's like a guy on a boat, like with his arms up and like fuzzy heads. I don't even think it's Frank. It's I don't somebody. Know. It's some creep. And but yeah, I always th- thought that was that thing was under my bed. Yeah. When I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <it was laughs> Frank Zappa haunting your dreams mm-hmm. as a child. But I like the music too. But so I was like. Well, yeah, it was this weird. Uh, you had a
1: weird uh, relationship with Frank Zappa. Yeah. It's like a fear, <laughs> love hate relationship. Love hate relationship. <laughs> love fear relationship. Yeah. But, yeah, man, I, he was he was huge when, uh, for me as a kid, too. Like, my dad would bump Zappa all the time, and I, I feel really thankful for that, just being introduced to that amount. Like, my dad like more straightforward rock and roll stuff, too, but he loved the, the weirdo shit. Mm-hmm. Like, my dad introduced me to the Velvet Underground, which I'm like... That's tight. I'll never be as cool as you, Dad. Mm-hmm. I remember he told me that uh, he, um, he took some girl to see the Velvet Underground in Cleveland one time to this, like, biker club or some shit, and, like dropped dropped the girl back off uh at the house or something after the show and and the dad was like if you ever take my daughter to that place again I'll
0: kill
3: you. <laughs> oh my god. Dude.
1: Yeah, my dad went to college in Cleveland um in the in the 70s so uh, he like he, well, you
3: grew up in nashville right
1: yeah well he he moved there uh, after that but he went to the art school up there and like he like knew the guy he like knew mark Mothersbaugh and like the guys from devo and like what? yeah he see like you personally see? yeah like they went That's to school right. together i mean i don't think they were super homies he was just always like yeah he was a cool dude but he was a little strange <laughs>
3: yeah. well all right yeah you think as of, you think dad yeah as are the best musicians
1: Speaking of strange Should we do 39 Clocks? Yeah Cause these guys I remember well, I, It's just two guys right? It's two guys I think yeah. And they're from Germany In the like 80 Early 80s 81, 82 And they put out Just a couple records And they've recently been Re-released within the last few years But I remember The first track I heard from them Was the DNS DN- track Yeah With, off, the, with the trumpet Not the single not, Yeah but not the single But yeah the one that was off the LP mm-hmm. That's got the ill I think Is it a saxophone or a trumpet?
3: Saxophone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Drink, uh, drinking Cuba Libres or
1: whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so another, like, that's a good segue, too. It's talking to the Velvet Underground. I mean, these guys are just Velvet Underground. Lazy, like, worship, lazy lock man. and
3: roll with drum machines and and just strange s- lyrics. Beautiful,
1: man. It's such mm-hmm. beautiful music and such, like, drug addled, like,
3: uh, they're defi- they definitely
1: <laughs> doing some downers so oh yeah there was there was some uh there was some uh, barbiturates in the mix of some yeah. sort some sort of opioids were were in the mix but um so yeah these guys out of germany in the early 80s i was one year old when this song came out uh and the tracks called dom uh electricity elects the the rain
3: and uh, yeah i was also like going with that uh as far as Talking about repetition. Um, this song has that. Most of there's,
1: yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's just like, like one Nova riff, and
3: then yeah. you're listening to it for five minutes, and you're like, oh, I completely forget that you're listening to music, and then it stops, and you're like, whoa, what was that experience? I think, uh, I don't know if it's going to be on the uh, new Power Record, but uh, we cover a DNS. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Um, yeah. When is that Pal record coming out? Do you know?
3: February tenth. February tenth. Yeah, out on Castle Face. When we when we were in a tour, uh, well, when we first discovered uh, the song we're about to listen to, Thirty Nine cl- or the band Thirty Nine Clocks. So our tour manager was uh, was it Errol? It was Arl. Errol, yeah. yeah, represent yeah, Arl. What pocket, up? Hey. Okay. Go ahead, I got a funny story. Okay, yeah, no, he is so amazing. But he uh, introduced us to the band and then all the a bunch of other like underground German bands and stuff like that. But uh, we uh, during a, like a sound check, we started like playing that song. So that was we would cover that song. For the rest of the tour, and the Arrow would just be like sick, in the front. Where I would just sick. like jamming. We actually played in Castle, where he's from, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, everyone was like flipping out when we started playing. that. That's arrows. sick. Yeah.
1: No, so all right, so this is hilarious. We were I was in the van because he was tour managing Holy Wave, and I had I was playing a couple shows with Holy Wave. Mm-hmm. So I was in the van, and he was like, "Yeah, you want to put on some music?" I was like, "Sure," and uh, and put on Thirty Nine Clocks. And he was like, no, 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 no. He put on 39 Clocks. And, and, like, and I was like, hey, what? is this 39 Clocks? And he's like, how do you how know do you about know? 39 <laughs> yeah. Clocks? I was like, I don't know. I just like, discovered him." He's like, they're the greatest band ever. And I was like,
3: yeah, I know. Yeah. And we had
1: this bonding moment in the front yeah. seat of the van. It was, it was nice. Mm-hmm.
3: But so, uh, Best tour manager ever.
1: Yeah, Errol is the best. 39 <laughs> Clocks brings the people together. Uh, so let's listen to their track. Uh, Dom, Electricity Elects the Rain off the record subnarcotic soon. Sure. So yeah guys. That was thirty nine clocks uh off there a subnarcotic record from nineteen eighty two. Dom Electricity Elects the Rain. That track is sick. I love those uh those like uh those synth uh uh string arrangements on there. The mm-hmm. chin, chin, and then they it's kinda makes it like orchestral a little bit, but like in like a demented way Mm -hmm. because they get all fucked up like it doesn't stay like tight it's like kind of gets all like which most of their music does yeah kind of falls apart like
3: (laughs) the mic like feeding back in a lot of parts, there's like a lot of imperfections in it and that's like one of my most favorite parts about you know listening to i don't know any any sort of band that's recording like live there there's these little mess ups that are it just it makes a song for me me too man
1: and i and i like i i I love it when they happen like when you're playing and you kind of know they happen you're like that's gonna sound Mm sick that's gonna sound sick (laughs) or even like you could just be like oh that sucks or i mean there's aspects i was listening to something the other day and they were talking about bands just like um the imperfections this guy was this podcast that i like uh and he was talking about imperfections in music and how those can actually, there's, it's documented, like, some musicians are haunted by those imperfections, but, like, the fans are, like, love that that's a part of it, and they're <laughs> like, oh my
3: god, I can't believe that got released with that gotta, one... re-record gotta re-record it, gotta re-record it. It's like, no, leave it, dude. Yeah, leave you're that shit, You're gonna think man. about it too much, you're gonna, yeah. Well, that's why- like I, old blues musicians and stuff like that, it's like, one- or, One take. Two, yeah, one or two takes, if you don't get it on the second take, then that's- yeah. That's the take.
1: Yeah, that's it. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going straight. You're getting straight to acetate, you know, or, mm-hmm. or whatever. They're going straight to the lathe. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's. I was talking to Dylan about that yesterday. It was just uh, when I interviewed her, and she, she's a big fan of that kind of stuff, and we were talking about pre-war blues and stuff, and, and how that, that raw aspect of it is because of the necessity of having to do that mm-hmm. became an aesthetic that is it's just so human you know what I'm saying it's just it's just so fucking human because human 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 sorry I think I can pronounce the word mm-hmm. um, human hum, hum, human. It's human it's so hummus uh, but yeah that aspect of, of music like that is so it's so important to me as like someone who I feel like I'm not even a musician you know like when Eno's like yeah I'm a non musician I'm like I didn't know that was a thing, but that's how I feel like I am, yeah. you know, because I'm like such an amateur with it. And like all those things, uh, I when mean, you I wouldn't hear say that, amateur, but I'm, I feel like I am, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And like, you know, I'd say that there's some people that would probably be like, oh, that's, you know, I don't know. But for me personally, like every time I'm making a song, like I'm learning how to make it as I make it, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like not just in like, I'm learning how to write it or whatever, but I'm like actually learning how to it's like I'm like a kid like mm-hmm. learning a new thing in school or something yeah. so um yeah that aspect of the amateurism and and just that that human aspect of it is is something that I always have uh, really f- felt strongly about
3: yeah i mean it's it's natural too it's like you can't recreate the mess up that you did or even if you even if you'd yeah, call, that's call true. it a mess up It's like, that's the way it was recorded. Oh, you may have hit, like, a sour note at one point, but it kind of, it just makes things, like, natural. It's like... It can also be devastating.
1: There can be some points where it's just like... I mean, I remember,
3: uh, like, Byron, uh, my old bandmate, he was, um, we were were recording a song, um, and... He had accidentally stepped on his microphone, uh, his headphone cable, uh-huh. and it totally cut out like during the live recording, but then he just started playing. He couldn't hear himself, but we left it and kept it there, and it sounded, uh-huh. it's actually sounded pretty sounded good. sick, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounded weird, but yeah. It weird was, is good. Yeah. Weird it, is good. Yeah, it was good.
1: For all the listeners out there, if you don't think weird is good, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Um, and speaking of weird... Where should we go? We got three tracks left. I know the one I want to end on, but yeah. the other two. Uh,
3: I think, um, yeah, the, the spectrum track would be good, and then.
1: Speaking of weird, that's what I was hoping you'd say, because no. this motherfucker is a weird motherfucker, and that's Mr. why I love Kimba. him. Mister Kimba, Mister Kimba, yeah, I um, I mean, Spaceman Three like blew my blew my shit the first time I heard it. It's I was been like...
3: the most inspirational <coughs> influence in my life. As, yeah. far, as far as creativity and with music and stuff like it's that. It's been
1: huge for me too. I remember my buddy uh, Jamie Hepler introduced uh, them to me. He has this band called Nest Day out of Asheville. And he was like, We were drunk one night, like after the bar. And he was like, You got to come over and check out this, this band. It's my shit, man. And I was like, Okay, let's go. So we get there and he puts it on. I'm like, Man, this is just like blues music you know Mm -hmm. because a lot of their stuff is 12 bar like 12 bar blues like
3: come down easy yeah yeah, and and there's a lot of gospel yeah and
1: i was like what i was like they've taken what white boys did the blues you know in the 60s Mm -hmm. and like made it into like the psychedelic rock and shit and just took it and turned it on its whole head and made it this whole other thing and i was like what is happening right now this is the best shit i've ever heard in my life
3: yeah it's like it's pop fucking noise rock like they were doing they were doing what jesus and mary chain were doing 10 years before and way
1: better
4: <laughs> yeah i mean i like jesus and mary i do too chain. Yeah. i do too but they, but they
3: they 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 killed it and they produced everything themselves too like they did it was all like the the two or however many people yeah. were playing in the band at the time yeah i uh
1: there there's something special and i hope one day they can put their differences aside and do a Reunion thing Which yeah, I don't think I don't It's know. realistic well, I think I think, uh, I think that's J- a dream That will never come true uh, Yeah <laughs> I think
3: okay. uh, Jason Pierce The other guy mm-hmm. um, He's uh, He announced that This last record That he's doing is he's oh, done it's, it's gonna be His last record No more huh Yeah so Spiritualized Is gonna put out One record
1: Oh, one I more got, record! And I got to sit side stage and watch Spiritualized. Oh I've
3: never seen them before. I always, man. always want to.
1: Did they? Did you guys? No, I guess it was. It wasn't the uh Liverpool Psych Fest that you guys played.
3: No, we played. We played that one year. You played yeah. it the one year, but it wasn't
1: mm. the year that Spiritualized was no, there. No, no, it wasn't. Yeah. So yeah, I was there well, the were, next year. You were
3: year. there uh, at that show that we played, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was there. I uh, I played that earlier that day on that same stage. You guys killed it. Oh yeah, that was crazy. My dude,
3: synthesizer blew out the fuse and my synthesizer blew out. I remember out. Like that when we were like yep. sound checking. Your sound checking <laughs> and it was like fifteen minutes or we had to play in like ten minutes and I'd like unscrew my synthesizer and get a new fuse and like put it in there and it was, God standing in front of like however many fucking people oh, I remember I remember yeah.
1: seeing the look in your eyes when you were like I ha- I just blew a fuse I just blew a fuse I got uh and then I remember It happened like 5
3: times on that tour
1: Well uh, that's what happens when you bring the 80s 80s <laughs> Radio Shack the Radio yeah. Shack synth on, <laughs> on the tour But no I remember uh you guys were doing that uh Shimmy Shimmy Ya cover the Old oh, Dirty yeah. Bastard cover
3: ODB o- o- yeah
1: Man and and I was like and you guys played it at that set and right beforehand Byron was like This one's for Al Lover Oh <laughs> yeah na, 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 na. And dude the bass through that You know what I'm saying Just like Cause the bass line's just Boom
3: boom Yeah Melissa's fucking ripping boom, yeah. Boom. yeah Ripping those nuts
1: Yeah man It was uh, I was You don't understand how stoked Cause I think I was on Ecstasy too Okay so yeah I was uh, I was 100% on Ecstasy And that shit came on After it was dedicated to me Personally mm-hmm. by my friend Byron Shout out Byron Hey what up dog we Love you um and uh yeah I w- that was a that was a moment for me. I just want you to know that. Mhm. That was a special moment. Yeah. So um yeah, let's get into this um
3: spectrum. Spectrum track. What's it called? Take uh, your time. Take your time. Yeah.
1: From the track The High Lows and the Heavenly Blows?
3: Well, the the record label. I mean the the record's called Highs Lows and Heavenly Blows. Yeah. Yeah, that's the record. Take Take your time is the song.
1: sonic boom take your time that's all, they, they definitely take their time on that song mm-hmm. that's and a mellow groove man Yeah,
3: it's always nice when you really really love a song and you know that it's like five minutes long and you're like great
1: you're like sick I'll just it's sit all, here yeah
3: it's also cool to have like a really really popping song and make it like one minute or two minutes just cuz everyone wants more yeah. yeah
1: you know I really like I really like walking to like walking around listening to this type of music like mm-hmm. this like this repetitive drone type thing because it like
3: i think it's just two notes back and forth yeah and going back and forth and like a little yeah some or, an organ riff and then yeah
1: yeah, yeah those um <clears throat> those two guys really uh set something in motion that or i mean uh yeah i guess they they set something in motion but they always they also were just doing something in a tradition you know mm-hmm. that eastern thing that you know like these dudes in the 60s were doing they were took it to another level with the um just the drone the repetition i mean i think definitely that's the uh that's the theme of today's podcast which i think is going to be a theme of the podcast in general because this (laughs) it's it's something that i seriously do admire and and uh and try to do with my own music too you know because it it takes me somewhere that i really uh
3: I really yeah, am appreciative of. You, you can do. I mean, it's with music and stuff. You can do so much with so little. Oh man. Yeah. What's Dude, What's the just, dude's name from
1: the normal? What the fuck is his name? I can't remember. Uh, that's a that, that, That's a
3: fucking badass
1: band that, that owns Mute Records. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was. I remember there was this doc and he was talking about. He's like, yeah, the punks, you know, they were making like three chord music. I was like, why do you need three chords when you just need one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I
3: feel that i completely agree yeah yeah just two chords back and forth throwing a little changes it's all you need yeah
1: i i I think so and i think this next track kind of speaks to that um this is another minimal we're starting to get a feel for what you're into over here man we're figuring you out Mm -hmm. bro yeah and uh what the hell is this next track?
3: Joshua Abrams?
1: Yes, thank you.
3: He's, uh, he's a classically trained jazz musician from Chicago, sort of an underground legend. Uh, no one's really ever I mean I don't know anybody that's heard of him, but uh, he I never heard of him. Yeah, he puts uh, he puts out this weird like psychedelic trance music and uh, he has a, a pretty good group of people like backing him up.
1: Yeah, he's played it's, stuff with like Bitch and Bajas, and you said like Bonnie Prince Billy, and like. Well, no, I think B-
3: Bitch and Bajas and Bonnie Prince Billy did something together. But, I think.
1: Uh, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, he didn't do anything. No, didn't. Well, I he did something,
3: Bitch and Bahas, and Bahas did something with and Bajas, and then Bitchin Bajas did something with. Uh,
1: I feel Will. like it said Will Will Obram was like one of the collaborators on there too. Uh, it I, could, mean, it it I mean, could be. I mean,
3: they're they're within the same circle. But yeah. Nonetheless, it's like it's it's the coolest thing. Coolest show I've ever seen live. Um, Where'd you see him? At Brick and Mortar. Oh, shit. And, when? Uh, no, this is like a few years ago, okay. two, two or three years ago. But uh, there was like five people at the show. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? This is like the coolest shit. There's a guy, Emmett Kelly. He plays in the Cuyo Gang. Mm-hmm. And then another guy, Ben Boyd, and this girl, Lisa. And this, the drummer, Frank Rosely. They're just all the best underground musicians in chicago they're just like they're killing it and uh yeah this is one of my favorite
1: keeping it with a little eastern minimalism Mm -hmm. vibe drone and repetition and all that yeah this this track is sick and uh it's 15 minutes long so uh we'll see you guys on the other side So yeah, that was Joshua Abrams. Uh, the track was by way of Odessa, which I don't think we said before we played the track. so if anyone was wondering, uh, that's the name is on the uh, what's the name of the record? Magnoce- mag-
3: M- magnetoception.:
1: Magnetoception.:
3: Yeah, the, uh, the, cause there's, o- there's other records that he has that are that's like repress the It's like, re-press-a-scene. Re-press-a-scene. It's like a, just a weird spelling of a word and it's mm-hmm. hard to say. So Magnetoception on uh earmite records
1: which I, i've never heard of that record label no before. neither
3: i mean my friend arvell told me about um them or after i saw them i looked him up and i was mm-hmm. like oh they have their records on this weird freaky jazz label
1: and what's yeah. the you said he plays some sort of specific instrument
3: uh, it's a gimbre it's like this african um three-string bass with a uh, goat skin For uh, like you know Like a banjo Or something like that It's Mm -hmm. like a goat skin Wrapped around it Hmm. So that's like The main instrument But it's It's also cool Because he he uses Like an MPC too Oh wow Like a sampler And stuff like that In his his music
1: You know Um, who I saw That um, That was That I was surprised Was using an MPC Uh, You know um, Oh what the hell Is his name The director He was in uh, He's a director And a movie star And he was in The Midnight Cowboy flick
3: Oh, what the hell is was his he? Name? The handsome person or the
1: was he? No, no, not Midnight Cowboy. Junk's junk. Drugstore Cowboy.
3: Oh, I I don't think I've I haven't seen that movie in a while. That's the one where they go rob a bunch of fucking yeah, pharmacies, what, right?
1: What the fuck is his name? Midnight I can't. Midnight Cowboy is a really good movie. That, that is a good. Yeah. That is a good movie. Fucking Harry Nilsson. Nelson man. Yeah. Um. I lost it. I lost it, guys. Oh. I lost it i'll think of it in an hour but anyways yeah um joshua abrams that was uh that was a dope track man and yeah it's it's a long one that's the longest track that i've had on the podcast yet
3: yeah well it's it, i want there's a few other songs that i'd rather play besides i mean they're all really good but uh this is the only one you can find because he's just not that well known uh, yeah. on the internet yeah i got the record at home but um uh,
1: did you get it at the show
3: no, I I got it off, I bought it off the website. Okay, but, cool. Um yeah, he was the uh he's classically trained jazz bassist and uh he is w- was one of the original bassists of the Roots. That's crazy to me.
1: It said he was from Philadelphia, so I wonder um like originally I guess from Philadelphia because the Roots are from Philadelphia too.
3: Uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure he's like the Starting basis or I whatever. Wonder, yeah,
1: that's cool, man. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. the roots. Now they're on like, aren't they on like Jimmy Kimmel now as the backing band for Jimmy Kimmel? Oh, what? Or something like that. Yeah, it's the I, guy
3: with the the comb in his fro, the drummer.
1: Oh, Quest Love, man. Yeah, that Questlove, dude. There we go. That dude is a wealth of musical knowledge, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I've like, I guess he does. Um, he does this DJ set now where he'll. Um, and this is. Uh, it's it's common in a lot of hip-hop djs will do it they'll play the original sample and then the and then the song that was that has used the sample and so he has a whole set that oh, he tours cool. with now that's just like it's like hip-hop 101 of samples mm-hmm. and like all the original songs plus the songs that sampled those songs and like he'll like just any, do like any a two of the or three souls hour or set.
3: any soul and blues songs that
1: yeah 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 all that stuff funk mm-hmm. rock i mean people were sampling all sorts of stuff back in the day
3: yeah like Tribe tripod quest did the Lou Reed line. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, that's a that's a classic, yeah. man. Yeah,
3: they yeah they did a good job with that one. Holy shit! I think it's like the most recognizable one.
1: Vincent Gallo, God. Vincent I'm a, Gallo. I'm a ridiculous man, and it, it's neither of those movies that I was talking <laughs> okay. about before. It's Buffalo 66. Mm. <laughs> that's the there movie I was
3: thinking of. Not the Midnight Cowboy, good Drugstore cowboy. cowboy, Something Cowboy, Buffalo but 66. Buffalo. There we go. we got
1: it. But so, yeah, I saw um, Vincent Gallo played this with his band. Have you ever listened to his stuff? Mm -mm. You would really dig it, I bet. It's just total. uh, He does a lot of scoring for his own movies, so it's a lot of like atmosphere, kind of just weird, ambient, minimal jazz kind of stuff. Very New York kind of stuff. And... uh, yeah, you know, when he played live, his his drummer had an MPC too. I think because they used some like found sounds and stuff like that. Oh, cool! Um, but the
3: glass breaking or whatever, yeah, something whatever. something like
1: that, or or maybe samples, or like or maybe they would just have a, a tone or something on there. But uh, how was how was uh, this dude implementing the um, MPC on his live set? The uh, uh,
3: Joshua I'm Abrams. actually, I'm I'm not I'm not too certain. Yeah, but I know that like on all of the uh, all the back of the records it says like all the instruments that everyone's playing and mm-hmm. he always has mpc 2000 or whatever hmm. whatever version of uh or model of mpc yeah. but uh i think he has it as like um to trigger a certain like drum sound at a certain point totally or, like, totally good well i mean because he's he's playing the is instrument, he a one-man band is he no, like? no he has a whole onslaught of musicians okay yeah. cool
1: an yeah. onslaught yeah. They're, They're like the you. coolest yeah? coolest
3: people in Chicago. Yeah.
1: Wow. You heard it first. They're the coolest people in Chicago, guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know how everyone in Chicago is going to feel about that, bro. Yeah. You know, that's a bold statement. Joshua Abrams, are you ready to be the coolest man in Chicago? Cuz uh that's a big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, on the next track we're going to we're going to take y'all out um with I think a perfect song to sum up a lot of this track list and kind of the ideas that we were talking about, um, which is uh, it's Brian Eno doing a cover of the um, Velvet Underground song. I'm set free. Which is one of my personal favorite songs. It is, and on and ever, ever, ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Lou Reed is my top guy. I mean, I blame, I blame that on my dad for sure because he was such a, and uh, he was such a fan of the Velvet Underground and Lou Reed. And he would be playing like the late '70s, early '80s Lou Reed when I was a kid, and I'd be like, "What is this crap?" And he'd oh, be like, "It's Lou Reed." And now, like '70s, '80s Lou Reed is like my favorite shit. Yeah, that's how <laughs> oh, I know what I'm I, getting old.
3: Yeah, that's what I, that's how I felt about Todd Rundgren. I was just like, I hate this stuff, but now I'm just like, I love it.
1: Did your folks listen to that? Mm-hmm. Were they prog prog fanatics?
3: No, maybe not prog fanatics, but they they really loved. They're listening like, to Zappa top, and well, yeah, Rundgren. Zappa and Todd Rundgren, <laughs> and, but not like Emerson, Lake yeah, and Palmer. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. But they, yeah, they definitely loved uh, some prog. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, this is this is definitely Mm anti-prog this is uh
3: this is yeah first time i heard this i was tripping on acid uh this track yeah this version
1: or the original velvet underground song uh no this version this version version.
3: and uh we were sitting around a campfire in uh big basin which is just like south of here Mm -hmm. kind of in between san francisco and santa cruz but uh i was i listened to it and it just sounded like harmonies were connecting all of the stars and we're just it was a memorable moment
1: that's maybe one of the best uh ways i've ever felt uh someone describe like acid trip in like a special song mm-hmm. was uh the f- melodies were connecting
3: the stars that's pretty yeah. poetic bro well, yeah, I, I, I forgot that I had said that. And my friend Dane was like, Do you even know what you were talking about last night? I was like, Nope, don't remember. I, well, I remembered it, but uh, we were just like going off the top
1: of us. Yeah. Like, wow. Well, man, that's true. That uh, that makes me feel happy that you said that because this to me, like, Brian Eno is probably one of my most personal impor- influences to me, like, where I'm going with my music now. Like, I'm definitely like, It's not like I'm want to emulate obviously but it's just like just pull from the uh, pull from the ether of like where his ideas are coming from
3: yeah it's like a little bit of everybody and a little bit of you yeah totally
1: totally i mean i definitely wear my influences on my sleeve and i do it on purpose because i think it's fun yeah um but uh yeah just to, to have him sing my personal one of my personal favorite songs from one of my personal favorite um musicians who is lou reed uh is just it's incredible and i had never heard this version of the song until you sent it to me
3: oh really i never heard this so, yeah it blew I'd,
1: my fucking head open dude yeah
3: i had listened to this uh the first time i listened to this was like this summer i was like man this has just been sitting around for 40 years like, yeah why hasn't anyone showed me this
1: well let's check it out so this is uh brian eno with the velvet underground track uh i'm set free
3: Be a funny photo, like someone have a synthesizer on their chest and then like this. this
1: I think thing. if I think if anyone gonna have a photo with a a synthesizer on their chest and a pitch shifter on his on neck, throat? yeah, is uh, Brian Eno. Yeah. Um, man, that I just want to fall asleep to that track. Mm-hmm.
3: I yeah, I've done it many times. It's really nice.
1: It's like I like I feel like Brian Eno is like rocking me to sleep, yeah. breastfeeding me.
3: It's definitely a lullaby
1: yeah it is a lullaby, and man what a yeah what a powerful song I think I don't even know what I think,
3: well yeah, I mean, the lyrics are so simplistic and just it's just like a simple message. it's like I've found you know. A sense of self. Yeah, I mean, um, it's
1: a, it's like anything. I mean, you could say it's like uh, someone's... like It's like a salvation song, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like an archetypal salvation song, like, I have become free, I mean...
3: You're you're reaching a point in your life and you're like, yeah, this is where I need to be. Yeah. And it feels fucking good.
1: Or death. I mean, that could be like the yeah, release it of could, death. Yeah, it could, it you could know? be singing like,
3: about death, too. It's like I've finally been set free.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think all those things are... are metaphorical you know and they're relatable mm-hmm. and uh yeah the message is is something that is it's so it's so simple but contains so much like complexity and and
3: yeah because any anybody you know. and everybody can take it in their own way yeah that's the that's one of the most beautiful parts about it. it's like you well
1: that's one of the most beautiful parts about music man mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying or art you know yeah. it's like obviously and i was i was talking about this before in another podcast but like the idea of of art being like, there's a direct message obviously that the artist wants to relay, Mm -hmm. but the interplay between the artist intention and the listeners experience, it makes it into this whole new different thing, you know? So everyone gets something different from it and everyone absorbs something that is a part of their own experience from it. And that's the one thing about art that to me is just so profound is that it is this thing that it connects you to another person or another person's ideas through your lens. And so there's like this, this crux of ideas and there's not really a set in stone mm-hmm. meaning. You know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah. I don't, th- I don't think, uh, I think you, you said that in the most perfect way that anyone could say it.
1: I mean, it might be mumbling bullshit from a no, stoner when was, I go back.
3: <laughs> no, that wasn't <laughs> that, that was pretty genuine and on point. Well, as far as experiences with art and music and, you know, what you can retain or take or give, I think, yeah, you perfectly nailed it on that one.
1: Well, thanks, man. Mm -hmm. That's what weed's for. Yeah. I don't think like this on my own, guys. Mm -hmm. No. um, But yeah, man. Aaron, it was so great to have you. Yeah, thanks Uh, for having me on, dude. Yeah, dude. And uh, tell tell, uh, folks what uh, this new project you got coming out. It's not... It's not on the label yet, but it's finished. It's mastered. It's mastered by uh, Peter Sonic. Kimber. Yeah, and uh, it's coming out hopefully this year. And it's uh, it's just you guys' last names. It's
3: yeah. So Duncan Deco Caldwell Tester. So okay. we're calling it uh, DDCT. DDCT. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, just a pretty yeah. I was explaining. It, well, explain it earlier. In the yeah, go ahead. Of the episode. Talk uh, about it It's just a again. pretty yeah, pretty experimental record. Um, mainly synths. Uh, drum machine actually all since and drum machine there's like a few guitar tracks and whatnot but um yeah we're still still looking still looking for a label uh,
1: labels out there if you're listening i know all the record labels are listening to yeah. this podcast so you mm-hmm. better perk your ear up when you yeah. hear about this because the tracks that i heard are amazing and uh i think um i think people are gonna dig it man
3: yeah it definitely has a kraut rock uh sort of mentality or vibe i guess i don't know if mentality is the right word but um Works for yeah me. very very repetitive uh usually one note a song um and yeah it'd be great if you could uh remix one of those i know you like i will uh, yeah i know i, you, will. I know you remix some some uh some bands yeah i before. downloaded
1: it i'm gonna check it out and mm. um yeah man like if there's I'm, I know that I could, we'll be able to remix it, and I know that I would love to, so let's definitely, let's do a pound on it right now, and make it official. Um, so yeah, Aaron, thank you so much yeah, for thank coming you through, too. man. I appreciate it. It's mm-hmm. been fun. Um, and folks, my apologies for if I was rambling at all any time during this interview, but you know what? I don't give a fuck. If you like it, you <laughs> yeah. like it. If you don't, you don't. And I love y'all, so uh, we'll talk y'all to y'all next time. This is Al Lover signing out. Yep, that was my interview with Aaron Deco. Coming out of San Francisco for you motherfuckers. Um, I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope we weren't rambling too much, stuttering. I, I think we were, actually. And leave your reviews. Leave your comments. Talk that shit. If I sound like an idiot, let me know, because I want to get better at this. And... There's no better way to get better at something than to have critiques. And, you know, if if you're going to talk the shit, talk the shit. I can handle it. If you're not and you want to be polite and you want to let me know in a very kind, loving way that maybe I need to stop mumbling, maybe I need to learn how to say words and read before I try to read stuff, uh, that would my, that'd be very helpful for me because I'm figuring this all out. As I go, I obviously have reference points of podcasts that I listen to that I'm that I love. Most of the ones, and I think I've said this before, uh, that I do like are free form. And so, for me personally, I'm trying to figure out how to do that a little better. I get a little better at it each time. I think, even if that doesn't uh, show up on tape, I think in my mind it gives me something to consider and to think about and really try to grow this and make it, um, a really interesting listening experience for y'all. So please leave comments, leave, uh, disses, leave words of encouragement, words of, of, uh, contention. Is that the right word? I don't know. I don't even care. I'm just going to talk shit and I'm going to continue to talk shit and I'm going to get better at talking shit. And eventually you guys are going to love how I talk shit. But if for now it's not perfect, forgive me. I'm working on it. So thanks again for listening. We got another episode coming up for y'all soon. I want to do this every week. uh, And I really hope y'all will rock with us and check out who we got on. Because I feel very blessed to know people that are interested in similar things than me. And that I can have a platform to just share with everybody this this great thing that we all enjoy, which is just strange music. I think we're all if, if you're listening to this, you probably like strange music. If you don't, you're in the wrong place. If you want some Miley Cyrus reviews, hey you know, I'm not dissing Miley I'm not going to diss Miley I'm going to be open to the fact that Miley Cyrus might make a track that I enjoy uh, because there's no judgments here We just love good music, and we hope you do too, and we want to keep uh, providing that good, weird music for y'all. So um, thanks for checking it out, and I love y'all. Peace be with you.